You are listening to audio from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about Citizens, please visit citizensbhm.com. In Christmas, we have the tradition in our culture of giving gifts to one another. And why do we give gifts? We give gifts because we love each other. We give gifts because we're thankful for one another, or it's a way to show appreciation. We also give gifts just to help meet a need, right? Your great aunt Susie gives you socks all the time and that meets a real need. Remember to write the thank you note, you got two feet. But on Christmas, we give gifts because the gifts point to the greatest gift of all. They point, God, that's what I'm talking about. That's my son, Tyler. He's gonna help me out tonight. Junior pastor, Tyler. But all the gifts point to Jesus. And as verse 10 in our passage said, Jesus is actually a gift to all people. He's a gift that's not like any other gifts. Not all gifts are created equal. Some gifts you return the next week. Some gifts you kind of ignore. Some gifts will change your whole life. I remember getting a bike and losing my mind coming down the stairs that I finally got a bike and I could go anywhere in the neighborhood. It was a life-changing event for eight-year-old Justin. But I'm more concerned here for all of us to know why Jesus is the greatest gift. Gotta love birthdays, Milo. Jesus is the greatest gift, Milo, because Jesus is actually given four titles in verse 11. Verse 11, the angel says, thee is of David, he's the savior, he's Christ, and he's the Lord. And those are four words we hear a lot maybe in church, but we don't always know what they mean but I want them to help teach us about what the gift of Jesus actually is. The baby Jesus is of David, which means he brings peace. The Jesus is from the family line of David. That is King David, the greatest king of the Old Testament, the man after God's old heart. That David was promised that one day, someone from your family would sit on the throne forever and ever not just of the throne of Israel, but of the throne of the kingdom of God. And as Isaiah 9 teaches us, that this king would bring us true peace. Because isn't that what we want out of a king? Isn't that what you look for in every leader, whether the leader of our nation or someone leading our family or someone leading at work? Will this person use the power they have to make this a peaceful place? Separates a good leader, a good king from a bad one every time. And Jesus is the leader who actually does what no one else truly can, bring us peace. Bring us peace in our soul in a chaotic world. And one day, bring us true peace that will extend over all the world. But here's the paradox. Because each of the titles of Christ comes with a paradox in this broken world. And the paradox is this, that Jesus brings peace, yet violence comes for him. The Prince of Peace himself lives a life plagued by violence. From Herod coming to kill him, 
to mobs trying to push him over a cliff. To a Jesus, the Prince of Peace would be stripped naked, laid out on a cross to die for all of this, for all of us. Because a leader, a true king, does what's necessary to bring the peace. And the violence done to Jesus is what was necessary to make peace between us and God. And you might have heard the word paradox, and you're like, I don't know what that means. If you're a kid, maybe you don't know what it means. If you're an adult, you may not know what it means. We don't use paradox all the time, and when we use it, we usually use it kind of incorrectly. A paradox is when a person or something has qualities or features that seem to conflict with one another. Kids, can you lock in with me? Thank you, locking in. Kids, city kids, on three, we're gonna say paradox. Adults, please help. One, two, three, paradox. Look, I'm teaching your kids a new vocabulary. Look at that, achieving goals here. And there's paradoxes everywhere, that the only constant is change, that water is essential for life, but too much of it is always a disaster, that whenever two opposite things can be, but somehow they're both true. And we see this with each title, starting with them of David. But baby Jesus is of David, but he's also the Savior who brings joy. Yet the cross will bring great sorrow. The second title that Jesus is the Savior means he is the one who can save us, who can actually forgive sins. And Jesus, our Savior, is cause for incredible joy. Why live for Jesus? Why follow Jesus? Why be part of a church? Why come to church? Why do any of these things unless you found a Savior who forgives sins and the result is deep joy? To follow Jesus for any other reason than deep joy of knowing Jesus is incorrect. Jesus is the joy of our heart if he is your God. And when we see that the Savior is joy for all who know they are sinful, Jesus is better news than hitting the lottery every day for the rest of your life. Because even if you hit the lottery every day for the rest of your life, all of your earthly wealth will melt one day. It will go away. It will pass away with you. But if you know Jesus, your death is only the beginning of the richness. That's only the beginning of learning what wealth is. True wealth is knowing a Jesus that forgives us all the way down. But here's the truth, church. If forgiveness is boring to you, if the gospel brings no joy or affection, it reveals that perhaps you are not forgiven and you don't know Jesus at all. See, Jesus is joy for those who know they are sinful, as paradoxical as that sounds. You would think if you actually came out and admitted your sins and didn't hide anything and, and actually just knew what you'd done and knew what you do and, and that I honest all these things, you would think God would reject you. But we've learned in the gospel of Luke that everyone who comes needy saying, God, I got problems. I've done some things. Jesus doesn't turn any of them away. He welcomes sinners. He heals them. He forgives them. He makes them new. He calls them family. He opens up a seat at the table. The only people who leave unforgiven with Jesus are the people who act like they have no sin. 
If you act like you have no sin, you'll be lost forever. But if you come to Jesus with your sins, with your brokenness, with your problems, you'll get joy forevermore. He's a savior for everyone who knows they're a sinner. The gift that Jesus is can be yours. And here's what's hard about Christmas. Christmas is so fun. Gift giving is so fun. Eating a little bit too much is fun until it's not. But I know for many of you, you remember a lot of Christmases. You remember Christmases where different people were around. And now they're not here for a variety of reasons. And here's the good news with Jesus. That Jesus can give you joy amidst the sorrows. Isaiah calls Jesus the man of sorrows. On the cross is the most sorrowful moment in human history. He's been there. That you can have joy even on Christmas because you know that your Savior actually weeps with you. He's not far away. He's not saying put a big smile on, but rather say, find your joy in me. And it's okay to mourn who's here and not here and why and why not. That Christmas could be something to be celebrated even as it changes. But baby Jesus, Jesus is of David, he's of the Savior, but he's also, the scripture calls him the Christ and he's the Christ that brings hope. Yet there's an arrival to come. And Christ means Messiah or anointed one. And it's referring here to the hundreds of promises and prophecies throughout the Old Testament that all come true in Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Yet many doubted that God would come at all. See, Jesus came at a time where God hadn't spoken for 400 years and many people didn't think he would show up. But then he did in a manger as a baby. It was a time a lot like our time, full of uncertainty, full of uncertainty as people doubt that Jesus will ever come again. But our hope is in if he came true on his promises from the Old Testament and came once, Jesus has given us new promises in the New Testament that he'll return not as a baby, but as a king. That our hope builds with the baby coming, but our hope is certain that the king will return. That the peace you can find in Christ results with the joy of him as your savior, but builds the real hope that Christ is coming again. You are no fool to hope in Christ. However, it is foolish to hope in this fading world. The angel refers to him as one last title. He's baby Jesus of David, the Savior, but he also calls him Lord. A little baby called Lord. And he's the Lord who brings love, yet one day, paradox, he will judge. And by Lord, the angel refers to Jesus as the Old Testament does to God's own name. God gave him a name, himself a name, Yahweh. And Yahweh means that God is the, is the beginning and the end. He was before all things, created all things. He's the Lord of the universe. And the angel says the Lord of the universe is here in the manger. And John 3 tells us why has God come? 
John 3 tells us God came to love us, to save us, and not to judge us, at least not yet. That the Lord came to love his people, came as a baby who grew into a man who stretched out and died in love for you and I. And Jesus' story with all these paradoxes means in a room of all these people and all the people that he's good news to everyone here. He's good news to me because his story is big enough for yours with all of its twists and turns. He's known violence. He's known pain. He's known disappointment. He's been Lord of all that's in a baby's body. He knows frustration. He knows limitations. All the things you struggle with, all the things we think God doesn't have room for, he actually has plenty. Makes Jesus the greatest gift as King, Savior, Christ, and Lord. And he's a gift to be received by faith. Listen to God's word. For by grace, that is Jesus, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Jesus is the grace of God. He brought grace to us. That is the forgiveness of sins and a restored relationship with God. He doesn't just clean our slate of sins and say, try better next time. He actually brings us to God that we would know God and be known by him. But here's the catch. We get confused on what a gift actually is. A lot of us I can get confused on how a gift actually works. See, a gift to be a gift, it must follow three rules or it's not really a gift. The first rule of a gift is this. A gift must be freely given by the giver. A gift can't be earned. A gift can't be deserved. Or it's not a gift. It could be a paycheck if it's earned. It could be a prize. It could be a reward. But it's not a gift unless the giver freely gives it. Second, the giver must expect absolutely nothing in return for the gift. The giver must expect absolutely nothing in return for the gift. A gift can never be paid for or it's not a gift. That's a purchase. That's something owed. That's an IOU. And the third rule of a gift is a gift must be received. And once it's received, the gift is the receiver's forever. A gift that's not received or rejected, it's not a gift because the giving never happens. Furthermore, if the gift can be taken back by the giver, that's not a gift, that's a loan. That's a rental. And perhaps you hear this about a gift and you're like, why is Justin telling me all about the rules of generous, good gift giving? It's because I want your mind to wander a little bit. I want you to consider, have you ever really received a gift from anyone? Have you ever received a true gift where you knew without a shadow of a doubt there wasn't a single string attached? None. That they gave it out of love 
and nothing else. And to follow the trail a little deeper, especially for our adults in the room, perhaps you've never given a real gift. Have you ever thought about gifts this deeply or... That deep down are your gifts, your service, your friendship, your family, maybe even with your kids. That maybe more than we'd ever care to look in the mirror and admit there's a little bit of an incoming and outgoing ledger. A crooked ledger. That suddenly, deep in our heart, there's a little list being kept and you're checking it twice, even though you don't think you are. And that deep down, It's scorekeeping. It's the very opposite of love. Love in 1 Corinthians 13 sounds like this. It says, love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love is the only thing that can give a real gift. Everything else in life has an exchange rate. Why else would you give something, a gift, only for the good of another other than love? And that's what God has done for us in baby Jesus. He's given us the King, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord that we've always, always wanted deep down, even when we didn't know or follow Jesus or ever even heard about him. Everyone wants a Savior, true love someone powerful enough to actually bring peace. Jesus is the gift that can turn the ledger of your heart to ash. And out of those ashes, build a beautiful heart of love that can give real gifts to everyone around you. What if your legacy, to speak to those maybe a little older with us tonight, What if you knew your legacy could be giving gifts like those rules with no strings attached to leave a legacy of love to your family, your friends, your neighbors, that they absolutely knew that every moment you spent with them wasn't out of duty, obligation, keeping appearances, but just because you love them. People often forget the words that were said, but they never forget how they felt in your presence. It changes everything to burn all the ledgers and say forgiveness is the only way I do relationship and asking for forgiveness as well. Jesus is the gift that no one could earn. Jesus is a gift no one could deserve. Jesus is a gift that no one can repay, that no one can purchase, and it's a gift that meets our greatest needs. Jesus means we can have peace in a turbulent world. He knows the violence of life. Jesus means we can have joy mingled in our sorrow because he's the man of sorrows. Jesus means we can have hope when our dreams are dashed. When all of your hopes and dreams break, he actually comes because he gives us hope because he will keep his word. Our dreams may not come true, but Jesus is coming back. And that's more than enough for this human heart. Jesus means we're loved even when we've done unlovely things. That his love is about him and not about our record. And all this is yours if you receive the gift. The gift that's big enough 
for a life, hey, that my life's too complicated. My life has adult things. All this talk of gifts and Christmas, Jesus' paradox means there's room for every part of your complicated life to set it down at his feet. Jesus is not flinching or faltering to hear any part of your story. But the key to receiving Jesus, it's right there in his name, is mentioned in Luke 2, verse 21. Listen to this. God names his own child. You ever thought about this? Take a look at verse 21. It says, he, the baby, was called Jesus. Why? The name was given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The God, the father named his own child. Jesus had always existed, but he said his human name, his name that he will be called by, they didn't just make up Jesus. His name is actually given by God as Jesus. It's a Hebrew name. And the Hebrew name of Jesus means God saves. It's his purpose statement. It's the vision statement. It's the reason he's our Christ, the deliverer, why he came that Jesus is a true gift, that Christianity is all about Jesus and what he's done. That is the point of our religion. Yet it's a gift that must be received. We must respond with faith towards Jesus. Just as Ephesians 2 said, by grace you are saved through faith. God saves in Jesus, and we must receive him by faith. If you want to transform your ledger, If you want to forgive all those people and be forgiven, it's found in Jesus. If you want a heart of love that can change everyone around you, it's found in Jesus. It's a gift we cannot earn. It's a gift we cannot deserve. It's a gift we cannot work for. We can't pay it back. We can't pay it forward. It's a gift that strips all the powerful of all their power, all the hard workers of all their work, all of us of accomplishments, Because Jesus only comes to desperate people with their hands out like kids at Christmas. Will you receive him? Receive Jesus, the King, the Savior, Christ, the Lord. Christian, will you let every gift this Christmas remind you of Jesus, the truer and greater gift? Citizens, will you become a true gift giver in your service? in your relationships, in your friendships, in your giving, at work, at at home, with your great aunt who always gives you socks, will you let Jesus burn every ledger in your heart and let forgiveness be your only song? When we focus on Jesus, the gift, our love grows up. We learn how to be a gift, not a curse to everyone around us.